0: Hello, thank you for tuning in. This is Joshua Sasa with Freedom Fellowship Church and Sons of God Ministries International, and I am pleased to welcome you to the prophetic voice of our time. But before we begin, I wanted to announce that next week on Saturday from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., We at Freedom Fellowship Church are going to be holding a fundraising sale. So if you're a longtime listener and you want to support us, we're going to be having a fundraising sale at 8419 Callahan Road in San Antonio, Texas, which is at Freedom Fellowship Church. And we're going to have all kinds of goodies. Everything that you buy, will be supporting this broadcast, supporting this ministry and our international outreaches. So again, we're going to be at 8419 Callahan Road next Saturday from 9 to 6 p.m. But let's get on to the main focus for this week. So this week, we are going to focus more in on allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Because we have to understand, the Holy Spirit is going to break new boundaries. Boundaries that break through our current doctrines, that break through our current traditions, our current ways of doing things. Because every time God calls somebody, all throughout the scripture, when somebody gets the call of destiny, they are called to do something that's outside of their comfort zone. They're called to do something that's uncomfortable, right? Abraham, leave your father's household and all of your family and go to a place I will show you. He didn't even know where he was going, right? That's uncomfortable. And you look all throughout the scripture, you look at somebody like Gideon, right? You're going to go and take on the Midianites with just 300 men, right? Let's send away the tens of thousands of other men that are willing to fight alongside you. Let's do it with just 300 men, right? So don't be surprised if where God leads you is not conventional. But something that happens a lot in the body of Christ is that we allow our man-made doctrines, our traditions, our dogma, to stand in the way of the move of the Holy Spirit. And this even happens in the Bible. I want you to think about Jesus during his lifetime here on earth, who were his biggest opposition? Who were his biggest attractors? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the ones who ran the temples, right, the synagogues. They were the spiritual leaders. They studied the Bible all their life. They knew all the traditions. They knew all the prophets and prophecies. And yet, when the move of God came in their midst, the Son of God was right there. They didn't recognize it. And not only that, they became enemies of the move of God. They're the ones who killed him. You see, something that happens is that when we become so entangled in our own doctrines, we become so focused on our doctrines, on our traditions, on our man-made ways of doing things, when you do that and you don't leave any room for the Holy Spirit, you will find yourself on the other side opposing the move of God. In Luke chapter 13, verse 10, It says on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you have been set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Look, those 18 years of suffering over in an instant. And that's the way that God moves. God has this way of moving where all this toiling, all these troubles, and then they're just gone in an instant. So for 18 years, this woman, she had been crippled and bent over, had all these back problems, and just one touch of God, it was gone in an instant, healed. That's amazing. That's exciting. So it says in verse 13, Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Verse 14, Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leaders said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Imagine being indignant. And stuck up and angry because this woman got healed on the Sabbath, right? So this synagogue leader didn't even care about the miracle that had happened right in front of him. He didn't care that she had just received this supernatural manifestation and deliverance. The only thing that he cared about is, oh, you guys aren't keeping with the traditions that we hold to. That's the only thing he cared about. And this happens a lot where the move of God will start to come in and people, they try to impose, they try to put it in a box and make sure this only happens on these days. Make sure that we do this system. Make sure do we do things in this order. Because understand, people that love God, when they see miracles like this happen, they get excited because they love God's presence and they love to see people touched by God's hand. So somebody who loves God and they see this woman get healed, they wouldn't get caught up in, oh, we're not adhering to the ceremonies, we're not adhering to the traditions, we're not adhering to our doctrines, right? They would get excited because somebody's life got transformed by the goodness of God and by his miraculous power. But that's not true for this synagogue leader that came in and said, well, you should have done it on one of the other days, not on the Sabbath. So in verse 15, it says, Jesus answered him, you hypocrites, who focus more on their doctrines as opposed to the move of God, here we see they're in opposition to God's move, not even caring about the people whose lives are transformed by God's move. And there's a reason for this. The scripture shows us how the Pharisees, they became afraid of Jesus, and they were concerned about it because he threatened the system with which they operated in. Pharisees and the Sadducees, they operated under an exclusive system. They were part of a special class. Only a small portion of them would get to go and study to be a teacher of the law and then become a Pharisee and then become a Sadducee, okay? They were a special class of people. And understand, for a lot of these man-made systems and man-made doctrines, there's these hierarchies that we put in place that we like to keep in place because it lets us be part of a special class. But these systems, they limit the move of God and they limit God's people. Oh, you can only ascend to this place after you've devoted yourself to God for 10 or 15 years or done this or done that. But we know God, he's used, even in the scriptures, all manner of people that were unqualified by man's standards. So why do we want to apply these man-made standards in the church? Why would we want to do that? It's limiting God's people, and it's limiting God's move. And anything that does that is not from God. There might be good intentions, but you have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. And that's why God, he's been doing a lot of shaking in the church, because he has to put the church in proper order to get us out of this structure that we try to impose on God's people and get us to where we're being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, before Jesus started his ministry, John the Baptist gave a warning to the Pharisees. It says in Matthew chapter 3, starting with verse 1, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. Ooh, that sounds yummy. People went out from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that all of these stones, I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Okay, so what is he telling these Pharisees right now? They like their special privilege, right? They think things are entitled to them. We are descendants of Abraham. We're children of Abraham but he's saying, "Look, that's not going to protect you. That's not going to keep you safe. You need to repent now." That's what he was telling them. Why? In the next verse, "The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire." And the thing is is that Jesus, he says something similar to the Pharisees later on, once he started his ministry. He tells them, "The kingdom of heaven Will be taken away from you and it will be taken to people who will produce its fruit. And there is parable after parable that Jesus tells about how the kingdom of heaven works. The parable of the talents God gives us something and he expects us to produce with it. The parable of the wheat and the tares. All of the tares, those weeds are going to get pulled up and thrown into the fire, but the good wheat is going to be bundled up and part of the harvest. In the body of Christ, the reason why there has been shaking and stirring is because God is taking away the kingdom from those that have been unfruitful. And this includes spiritual leaders, people that have been limiting his move and limiting God's people. It's going to be taken from them and given to a people that will produce good fruit. So John the Baptist, he warned the Pharisees of this. He said, start repenting now, produce fruit That is in keeping with repentance because you being sons and daughters of Abraham is not going to save you. That's why he said, and I tell you, God can even make children of Abraham, descendants of Abraham, out of these stones. And we know that through Jesus Christ, he turned all the Gentiles into potential descendants of Abraham. So that word came true where God was able to produce more children of Abraham because the old covenant was done away with, and now we're under the new covenant. Verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing fork in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So this is what John the Baptist, he warned the Pharisees before Jesus even started his ministry. He warned them of what was coming. Now in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus was speaking to the people. In John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. And this is what you have to understand, is that those who are committed to protecting the man-made systems and traditions, the first thing they're going to try and do is they're going to try and box you into that system. For example, there are many cases There's another story, which we're not going to go over tonight. I mean, which we're not going to go over today, where, for example, the Pharisees, they asked Jesus, well, by what authority do you do these things? By whose authority do you do these things? There's other places where they call him teacher, where they demote him down from son of God, right? He's not a son of God, but he's a teacher. It's trying to box you into this system. So when they're saying you're appearing as your own witness, right? You don't have anybody backing your testimony. It's very akin to people asking today, well, who is your covering? What ministry is backing this? Who are you under, right? They want you to be within their system because that's a means to control you. And again, it's limiting God's people and God's move. Now, Jesus, he responds to this. So in verse 14, they're asking, well, here you are appearing as your own witness. Who is your covering? Who's your pastor? What ministry are you with? Your testimony is not valid. Verse 14, Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment to no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. So he sends it right back at them. He says, okay, well, your law says that you need at least two or more witnesses, right? So, I'm testifying for myself, and the Father who sent me is testifying on my behalf. So, there's two, right? You got the Father, you got the Son, that's two. And this is what we have to understand. We should take this same approach as Jesus. If God sends you somewhere to do something, and you're being led by the Holy Spirit, and people start asking you, well, by what authority are you doing this? Who's your covering? Now you know you can say, well, Jesus is my covering, right? I have two witnesses here. I have myself. I've got God who sent me to do this thing. That's exactly how Jesus responded to this criticism. And it prevents him from getting stuck in that box that they're trying to put him in. Because this is what we have to understand. God, all throughout the scriptures, called unqualified people by man's standard. All throughout the scriptures, he called unqualified people. Why did they do it? Because God sent them. And God sending you to do something is more than enough. And that is all the authority that you need. So, I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. You need two? There's two right there. Verse 19, they asked him, where is your father? And now you know they're thinking of Joseph the carpenter. They're not thinking of the Father God. Jesus replies, you do not know me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. This is important. The Pharisees and the Sadducees did not know the Father God. They didn't recognize the move of God when it was happening in front of them. They didn't recognize the Son of God standing right in front of them despite every single prophecy that had been spoken of, that they had been studying since they were young. They still could not recognize the move of God. And this is what you have to understand. Once you become so fixated on your dogma, on your doctrines, and your traditions, you will not recognize the Father God. You will not recognize the move of God, even if it's happening right in front of your face. And that's a scary thought. That's why in the parable, the ten virgins, when those people, when they came banging on the door for the wedding supper of the bridegroom, And they said, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not heal the sick in your name? That means that these are people. They were teachers. They were preachers. They were apostles. They were doing things they thought according to God's will. And what was the response that they got? Truly, I tell you, I never knew you. But these people, they were spiritual leaders. And that's what we have to understand, okay? So we have to allow the Holy Spirit to move in our midst, to shake things up. Because the Holy Spirit, once he moves, he is going to force you to question some of the doctrines, some of the assumptions that you've had for a long time. That's what happened to Peter when he got that vision on the rooftop where God was showing him all these unclean animals, things that he was forbidden from eating in the law. And now suddenly God was saying, rise, Peter, slay and eat, right? He was telling him these things. Peter had been upholding the Jewish traditions all his life. He had never eaten pork. He had never eaten an unclean animal. And here God was instructing him to break that tradition that they had been holding for generations. The Holy Spirit and the move of God is going to force you to question your doctrines. And you're going to have to make the decision. Am I going to let the Holy Spirit guide me? Am I going to submit to it? Or am I going to try and stick to the ways of doing things that I know how to do them? And once you do that, you're going to be limiting God's ability to move in your life. So let's continue with this story. So Jesus, he goes on to talk. And now we're down to John chapter 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Pharisees answered him. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you then say that we shall be set free? What did John the Baptist warn them years prior? Don't say that you're a child of Abraham. Don't say that you're a descendant of Abraham thinking that that's going to help you. So Jesus continues. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. But a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me, because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the father's presence, and you are doing what you heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. Jesus replies, If you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the work of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come here on my own. God sent me. And what did we talk about before? Those who love God will love Jesus, and they'll love his works. They'll see the move of God. They'll recognize it. They'll see miracles being performed, lives getting transformed, and they'll get excited. But here the Pharisees, they didn't recognize it at all. They didn't recognize the move of God that was happening right in front of them. They did not love God. And as a result, they did not love Jesus. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. And that is not a place you want to be in. Not being able to hear the voice of God leading you. And that's what will happen once you become so fixated on the traditions and the doctrines of man, the systems that we put in place. Once you become so fixated on it, even if Jesus' language is clear and plain, you're not going to be able to hear what he's saying. So let's continue. John chapter 8, verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. And that is a harsh criticism that Jesus gave to them. But it's so important that we hear it because we in the body of Christ cannot allow ourselves to limit the move of God and limit God's people any longer. The spiritual leaders in the church, we need to get this. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to move. We need to stop trying to box God in to our man-made doctrines with the four corners of our church where God's going to move a certain way, the way that we expect, the way that we imagine that it will happen according to the schedule that we want. And we have to stop limiting the people of God. By trying to place them in these hierarchies, well, you need to serve under this ministry for 10 years before you can even move this way. You need to do this or that. This is a season right now of acceleration and manifestations. The Holy Spirit is moving fast, and we have to let the Holy Spirit move. If we limit God, and we try to limit God's people in this season, we are going to see the kingdom taken away from us and given to people who will produce good fruits. So let us be faithful with the responsibilities that God has given us now. and Let us prove to God that we will follow his lead. The time is over for us trying to lead God. Let's get past this where we try to lead God where we think God should go. It's time for the body of Christ to start following God's lead. And that's what I want to leave you with today. I am out of time for today, but I want to thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this broadcast, if it ministered to you, then I encourage you, go to our website, SOGMI.org slash donate, and leave a donation there. This broadcast is supported by listeners just like you. So I want to thank you so much for listening. My name is Joshua Sasso, and you've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. Thank you for listening. We all hope you were blessed by this message today.